Uh, well, if you've been around for uh, the last uh, few weeks, you'll know that we're doing this series called Belonging in God's Story. Uh, and so far, we've looked at some of the kind of bigger overarching plot lines in the Bible. So we've looked at God's plan or God's story of salvation. I've looked at the whole story of God's mission uh, through all of time in all of the earth. Uh, we've looked at God's uh, desire to have a people uh, culminating uh, in the church. Uh, what we're going to be focusing on today is not so much that the big overarching story, uh, so much as the belonging part. Uh, we're looking at belonging in God's story. We've, we've reminded ourselves what the story is. Uh, today, I want to focus on what it means for us uh, and for you specifically to belong in the story. Just to kind of lay my cards on the table right at the very outset, more than anything else, what I want to try and help you see this morning is that you have a crucially important part to play. It's wonderful hearing Verity's story and some of the part that she's played, uh, and hopefully that's inspired you, as I kind of open this up, to think, okay, what part could I play? Uh, and it may be very similar to the part that Verity's played, it may be really different, but uh, I'm believing that God's going to come with faith, God's going to come with vision, uh, God's going to come and free some of you up, uh, to serve his purposes for you in this community, in this body, and in God's bigger story. Now, while preparing for this talk, um, I uh, did a bit of medical research. Uh, I was chatting with Lam Chin uh, a while ago about uh, coronavirus. It's nothing to do with that. Um, I came across these incredible facts about the human body. Don't know if you know this, uh, but our livers perform over 500 different functions. Um, now, we have a bit of an expert. Is that, is that kind of... Yeah, yeah but, but I kind of... Yeah, yeah uh, that, that kind of region. Uh, apparently, our eyes uh, can tell over 500 different variants of grey. Uh, our nose has the ability to tell which direction a smell comes from, uh, and our nose has a better memory than our eyes. Our tongue get this, has well over 3,000 taste buds. Our hearts pump about 2,000 gallons of blood a day. Not only that, they beat about 100,000 times a day, which over a lifetime means that they'll be about two and a half billion times without us even thinking about it a whole lot. Nerve cells can travel as fast as 120 meters per second. And get this, in a lifetime, an average human produces 10,000 gallons of saliva. 10,000 gallons. Does anyone know how many sweat glands the average foot has? Any guesses? Um, in the region of 250,000 sweat glands in the average foot. Now, I've got size 12 feet, so I might have a few more than you. Now, my point in all of this is that the parts of our body that we tend to give the least thought to are actually among the most important. Now, the Apostle Paul 
certainly didn't have all of that information at his disposal. He wasn't able to Google like I did, interesting facts about the human body. He would have known none of that. But that is pretty much the point that he had in mind when he wrote the passage that we're going to be homing in on uh, and exploring today. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, maybe you could tell with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just to explain why you're finding it, Paul's writing this letter pretty much to untangle the many moral and theological knots that the church had managed to get itself into. And here in chapter 12, Paul is trying to help them see what the church is supposed to be like. Uh, And as we're going to see, he does it with reference to the human body. In the 15 verses or so that we're going to be looking at, he mentions the body a staggering 17 times. Uh, Obviously, this is an image, this is a metaphor, this is a picture he really wanted them to get a hold of. Let's dip in and see what he says. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Let's just pause there for a moment, because I don't want us to miss the incredibly profound thing that Paul has just said here. This is what it means to be the church. We are all, every single one of us, part of the body is absolutely stunning. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have all been made one. We're all joined in some way with one another. But that being said, this unity does not mean uniformity, that there's tremendous variety in the body. I mean, uh, have a look around or remember back that little exercise Anna took us through. Uh, some of you have uh, been abroad for many years. Some speak fluent English. Some prefer cats to dogs. A huge variety uh, in the room here. It's like we're all different uh, and we all have different parts to play. We're all vitally important. In fact, without our contribution, the whole body would be weaker. In God's wisdom, He has given unique gifts for each of us to use for the building up of the whole church. And so the implication is, if you don't use these gifts, in some way the whole church suffers. And if others in the church don't use their gifts, then in some way you suffer. That's the way God's designed it. That's the way God has set things up. We are interdependent. We need one another. But Paul here actually takes this a stage further. Before unpacking a a bit more about what this diversity looks like in practice, he lobs race and culture into the whole mix. You notice what he said in verse 13. He said, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. You see, Paul's not just talking here about the church being made up of people with a variety of different gifts. He's talking about something much, much wider, something way more radical than that. He's talking about a body of people that is diverse, not only in terms of the different gifts they have, but also diverse racially, 
diverse culturally and diverse socially. And so as we read on in this passage, verses 14 to 27, I want you to keep this in mind. Uh, I want you to hear these verses in context. Because I think we're, we're so used to thinking of them in terms of the variety of the spiritual gifts that there are in the church, and that's certainly part of what Paul is talking about here. There's also another lens that we need to read these verses through. Uh, I think we need to keep race and culture and class in our minds as well as we read this passage. Verse 14, Paul says this, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. What do you reckon? It's powerful, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine a church where everyone is welcome, whatever their background? A, a church where everyone is valued, whatever their contribution? A, a church where everyone is honored, whatever their race? A, a church where everyone is accepted, whatever their age? whatever their gender, whatever their education, whatever their appearance, whatever their marital status, whatever their social skills. A church where everyone, regardless of their background, has a crucial, crucial part to play. Well, that's the kind of church that God's after. And for the record, that's the kind of church that I think we're trying to build here. But that being said, I think there are some common ailments that can get into the body that can keep this from happening the way that perhaps it should. Paul deals with one of those in verses 14 to 20, uh, and he touches on the other one in verses 21 to 27, and uh, I just want to look at both of those ailments in turn. The first one is this, is feeling like you don't belong. I'm talking here to, to anyone who feels a bit on the fringes. 
who perhaps feels like they don't really fit in, that those who maybe feel like they haven't really got a whole lot to offer, that those who look around the room and, and think, in all honesty, I don't think you need me here. I don't know, maybe you compare yourself with others and in your darkest moments, you're just left feeling pretty useless. And so when I spoke a bit earlier on about everyone having a unique gift from God to use for the strengthening and the building up of the church, rather than encouraging you as I was trying to, maybe that just left you feeling like more of a failure. You, you, you not only don't think you've got anything to contribute, but now I've made you feel guilty for not contributing anything as well. In fact, perhaps some of you nearly didn't come this morning because you just felt pretty worthless. Like, no one would even notice if you weren't here. No one would notice if you stayed at home. Or perhaps you feel in a minority. Might be because of your skin colour, or your accent, might have something to do with your upbringing or your education. Could be the fact that everyone looks like they've got it all together and you know that you haven't. Uh, and so you look around and it, it feels like everyone else is so incredibly different to you. You, you. you feel like you stick out and you don't fit in. You don't need me to tell you it's not a particularly comfortable feeling, is it? Now, that is exactly what Paul is referring to in verses 15 and 16 here. He says it's like your foot looking at your hand and saying, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. Or it's like your ear saying, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye. I don't know, maybe that's how some of you feel. Because you're different, you feel like you don't belong in the body. Well, that's the ailment that Paul is talking about here. That that's the first thing that has the potential to just threaten the health of the body. And so, having diagnosed this problem, what does Paul prescribe for us? Well, what we're going to see is his remedy is pretty simple. He injects us with three basic truths. Here's the first one. Do you like injections? Anyone like injections? Well, I'm going to inject you three times, or, or Paul is going to inject you three times. Sorry about that. Uh, regardless of how you feel, number one, the truth of the matter is you do belong. You do belong. That's what he says in verse 15. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. Now, uh, I know it's a pretty surreal argument, isn't it? But I think it does make the point. Just because the foot can't do what a hand can do doesn't mean it has no place in the body. And so you might compare yourself with someone else uh, and you might conclude in your heart of hearts that you are useless, but according to Paul here, your conclusion is just plain wrong. You are not useless, you just have a different use. Now, just in case you didn't quite get the point first time round, maybe I was talking too quickly or you were momentarily distracted, Paul comes up with another scenario, verse 16. He says, if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? I think the answer is no, isn't it? 
Now look, if Paul is able to repeat himself, then I think that gives me permission to repeat myself as well. I think it's so incredibly important you get this message today. You may think you don't belong here. You may feel like you don't belong, but it is just not true. You, you, you can argue all you like, but the reality is it won't make any difference. The reality is you are not useless. You do have an incredibly valuable role to play, and the body genuinely would be weaker without you. This church would be weaker without you. And it's a lie to say that just because you might feel different to everyone else, you therefore don't belong. No, you do belong. That's the first injection of truth. You're doing well. Here comes the second injection. By definition, the body needs to be diverse. It needs to be diverse. Verse 14, the body has many different parts, not just one part. As we saw earlier, that is what it means to be a body. It's got to be made up of different parts or there wouldn't be a body in the first place. It's a simple fact. The body would not exist if there wasn't any diversity. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Now, I think there's a, a whole lot of repetition going on here because Paul doesn't want any of us to miss the point of what he's saying. He knows what we're like. It's incredibly simple teaching, but there is still something in us that can struggle to accept it. I don't know. Maybe you're sitting there and you are still battling to believe what you're hearing. It's like that those feelings of uselessness or those feelings of not belonging, they run so incredibly deep. So you can kind of see the logic of what Paul's saying, but you're still struggling deep down to believe it actually applies to you. You still feel like maybe you're the exception to the rule here, it maybe feels to you like your differences are too big. They're just too insurmountable. And so Paul has another go at getting the message home. He gives us a third injection of truth. Here we go. God knows what he's doing. God really knows what he's doing. Paul continues that the whole body analogy in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? You get in the message. Variety is essential. Without diversity, the body just wouldn't work. It wouldn't function properly. Without you, the church would be one-dimensional it would be pretty dull, it'd be pretty boring, it would be bland, it would lack the variety, the diversity that God intends for the church. Which is all well and good, but you might be thinking, well, well hang on a minute, I didn't actually say I wanted the whole body to be an eye, I mean, Jonathan, you're just being a bit extreme here, I didn't say I wanted the whole body to be an ear. It's just I don't like being what I am. 
I'd just like to be something or someone different. That, that's all. Which I guess is fair enough. Until you hear what Paul says in verse 18. He says, our bodies have many parts and who? God has put each part just where he wants it. Let's face it. I don't think there's any arguing with that. The bottom line is, God is sovereign. He's the one who's designed all the parts of the body, and He knows what's best. He knows the best fit for us. And so, if we keep on thinking those thoughts of we're useless or we don't belong, we're not only saying no to the whole idea of the body, but worse, we're potentially saying no to God. We're saying we don't trust Him. We're saying that we think we know better than Him. And what we want is more important than what He wants. And so Paul's remedy for feeling like we don't belong in the body is first of all to say that actually they're feelings or opinions that don't really stack up. They're out of sync with reality. That the truth, according to God's Word, is that you do belong. Second, to think that you should be like others in the body rather than having a unique function of your own, well, that, that goes against the very idea of a body that by definition has to be made up of many diverse different parts. And then third, and perhaps most important of all, resenting the fact that you are different from others in the body is effectively saying that you don't trust God. Since verse 18 says, it's God who's put each part just where he wants it. Uh, so if you say you, you don't belong or you have no part to play, you're effectively making out that God is weak or mistaken or evil and he's not sovereign, he's not wise and he's not good. Really like all issues, in the end it comes down to a radically God-focused question. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Now, you may beg to differ, but I'd humbly suggest you can. So that's the cure for the first ailment, which threatens the health of the church. Very quickly, just want to turn our attention to the second ailment that Paul diagnoses in this passage. Here it is. The second ailment is feeling self-sufficient. When members of the body feel they don't belong, they say, you don't need me. When they feel self-sufficient, they say, I don't need you you. Paul says in verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul's warning us here. He's warning us that we need to beware the temptation to feel and think that we are important and we don't need others. On the contrary, Paul says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, or as some versions put it, the most indispensable. The truth is that the members of the body which seem to be weaker, they aren't necessarily weaker, they just seem it to you, Paul says they are indispensable not optional, indispensable, not merely helpful occasionally, 
but totally indispensable. Not, not maybe, sometimes a needed part of the body, but completely necessary for its health. We simply cannot do without them. I want you to be honest. Who are the people that you think of as not needing? Don't point to anyone. <laughs> um, and please don't shout out any names. Just keep your eyes kind of on the ground at this moment. Who are the people you think of as not needing? Who are the people that you secretly think of as less important than you? Who are the people that you think are weaker than you? Well, these are the people that Paul says are indispensable to the church. We mustn't miss the warning here. If we're to be the diverse community that God wants us to be, those kind of attitudes won't do. Listen, we need to allow God to show us our prejudice, and then we need to repent of it. In other words, we're not merely to feel sorry, no, we're to turn from it. We have nothing more to do with it. We, we just can't say to others or even secretly think of others, I don't need you. But Paul doesn't stop there. See, it's not enough just to say this church needs everyone who comes along. From now on, I want this church to be made up of a whole load of people different to me. I want us to reflect the diversity that's found in our city. That is not enough. It's a start, but it doesn't go far enough. Paul goes on to say that thinking it, saying it, even wholeheartedly believing it, isn't good enough. Verse 23, he says, the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. The truth is, those people who feel like they don't belong, but those people who perhaps compare themselves with you and are left feeling pretty useless, they are not going to change their view if all you do is secretly believe that they're welcome. Listen, for us as a church to say we welcome everyone without at the same time going out of our way to demonstrate that we do isn't actually going to include more people. People who for whatever reason feel in the background or on the fringes, whether they're in a racial minority, a woman in a crowd of men, a, a single person among a bunch of couples, there's someone who just serves quietly behind the scenes, or a, a, a first-time visitor walking into a room full of people they do not know. These people need to be given special honor, special treatment, special concern, so that they're never tempted to conclude that they don't belong. Now, if you think about it, isn't that what Jesus did? He went to the home of tax collectors. He bent down and he touched lepers. 
He, he, he spoke with prostitutes. He sat down and ate with people from different cultures. He did not take the easy path of just mixing the whole time with people like him. He persisted with people who weren't easy to engage with. He kept going when there were awkward silences. He didn't give up on people who let him down repeatedly. He didn't avoid people who were deeply suspicious of him. He wasn't so locked into his busy schedule that he couldn't be flexible and just drop in on people unannounced. He wasn't concerned about what other people might think of him. Pretty amazing if you think about it. Jesus overcame every kind of social, racial, and cultural prejudice. And you know what? he calls us to do the same. You see, the church is his body, which means we're to look like him, we're to think like him, we're to sound like him, we're to act like him. And just to make this real, why don't you just think for a moment of the people in your social group, the, the, the people perhaps you, you've been out with recently, the, the people have been round to your house in the last month or so. Or maybe the, the people you've chatted to after the meeting here uh, over the last couple of weeks. Are those people all from the same colour, the same culture, the same background, the same stage of life? I've got to ask myself, am I personally encouraging segregation in the church and justifying it with my preferences, my comfort, and my ease? Or am I building bridges to others who are vastly different from me? I tell you, those are the kinds of questions I think all of us have got to ask. Paul says we're to treat those who might naturally conclude they're excluded or they don't belong or they're not needed, we're to treat them with special honor, special care, special dignity. It's challenging, isn't it? And I think it's a challenge we must all feel. You see, this really isn't a take-it-or-leave-it kind of message. Now, this is deadly serious. I mean, if at the end of the day, God's not really all that bothered about displaying his infinite perfections in and through the church, then this isn't that big a deal. It is take it or leave it. But if God's plan is to create and form a people who are his primary vehicle for shining his glory here on earth, then this is of infinite importance which is why I'm going to press on you here. If you accept what Paul teaches here in 1 Corinthians, then it has massive implications for each and every one of us. Think about it. If God has uniquely gifted and wired you, and if God's purpose in giving you those gifts, regardless of how small or how large they are, is for the building up of his body, the church, and if God's design in all of this is for you to find joy and for Him to be glorified, 
What happens when you come along here and you don't plug in? I'll tell you what happens. You end up missing the point completely. And in the process, you rob yourself of the joy of using the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the church. You, you, you rob the church of the unique contribution that God has given you for our benefit, and you rob God of glory. Now look, my, my heart isn't to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to layer guilt on anyone here. I'm certainly not wanting to drive any of you away. In fact, quite the opposite. More, more than anything else, I am hoping and praying today that you see God's design for the church that finally the penny would drop for you. You'd be inspired to play your own unique part in the healthy functioning of the body. And so before I finish, I want to try and make this even more practical. Hopefully, God's been challenging you. Hopefully, in some way, you want to do something about this. The question is, where do you start? How should you go about applying this message? How, how do you work out where you fit? I, I don't know, maybe you think, I, I, I just don't know what my gifts are. I have no idea how to go about playing my part here. Here's how you figure out your gifts. Figuring out your gifts is a community project. We discover, we find out our gifts by doing life together. Because when we're doing life together, we can spot things and say to one another, hey, do you realize you're really good at this? You know, I think we need to do a little bit more of that. I think we need to be a little bit quicker to encourage one another. Like the other Sunday when I was here, Renford read a passage from the Bible, and it encouraged me greatly. But I never said to him, Renford, it was great when you read that passage, so I'm saying it now. And uh, every time I come here and the, the, the signs are up outside in howling gales and pouring rain, and I see kind of Millerad here, sitting at the back maybe, but I'm grateful, Millerad, for, for the role you play here. We, I think we all spot things in one another, don't we? And we think them, and more often than not, we don't do anything about it. I want to encourage you to encourage others, to call out the gifts that you see in other people. Or maybe, uh, as you interact with people, you'll, you'll find yourself going, well, I, I'm getting this strong impression that, that, that maybe God's wanting me f to pray for you this way. And then you stand back and watch it turn out as you felt God show you, and you're going, maybe God is building into me a little bit of the gift of prophecy. Uh, Verity could have shared some stories about that uh, on some of the cat visits she's done, how she's followed the promptings of God, and she's been working out, well, who am I and where do I fit? And, uh, and you've seen God bless you in, in, in that way. Or you pray and someone gets well. Maybe I might have a developing gift of healing. <laughs> you see, in doing life together, we can encourage one another and we can figure out our gifts more easily. But where we're not in community with others, I think we're forced to proclaim our gifts 
based on nothing but our own intuition or our own personal opinion. It's like the more isolated we are and the more we simply attend but don't belong, the more difficult, if not impossible, it is for us to see where we're gifted and the harder it is for us to use our gifts as God intended for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, just to illustrate my point, when you walked in, you should have been given a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. You may have forgotten or you may have been sitting there not listening to me because you're wondering, when is Jonathan going to refer to that piece of the jigsaw puzzle? I wonder what that was all about. I want you to get it out, hold it in your hand, have a good look of it. If, if you haven't got a piece, um, borrow the piece from the person next to you, share. It's, it, it's all good. Look at the picture. Any idea what the big picture of the puzzle is? Any ideas? A stained glass window, something from Christmas, definitely animals, a shop, a picture of a church, Noah's Ark, Uh, it would be cunning if it was a picture that included all of that, Uh, I'm going to hold my counsel, I know what the picture is but you don't, Uh, to see it and to know it you need all of the other pieces Uh, and sadly I haven't given you all the pieces of the puzzle so you can't get together later and then work it out. Um, It's a 500 piece puzzle and it's I'm going to be going to the other church central churches with bits of the puzzle as well so get together with them and maybe at the Catalyst Festival we could do the puzzle together or so I don't know but really to, to, to see the picture you need all the other pieces. Some are corner pieces, some go around the edge, some fit on the inside, uh, some are brightly coloured, some are varying shades of grey, but they are all equally essential to completing the whole picture. You know, that is what it's like in this community that God is putting together here. We're all part of it. Each piece is essential There is no peace that is expendable or dispensable. God's plan is for us to be linked as one and we need one another. Now, how irritating it is to do a jigsaw puzzle and there's a missing piece. Get to the end, oh, there's a piece missing. Make sure that piece isn't you. Now, look, over the last 35 minutes or so, I've tried my best, I've tried my hardest to paint a picture for you of what this looks like. So I draw to a close, I simply want you now to play your part. I want you to resolve today to add your piece to the puzzle so the world out there can see a picture of the church as God intends it to be. So my parting question to you is this, will you commit to the church? Will you give yourself for the building of the kind of church that God has designed us to be? Will you use your gifts to strengthen us Will you open yourself to benefit from the encouragement and the gifting of others?